Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Here I am In the mid-90s, the Nixons had a hit with their heartfelt single, Sister. And while they never reached the same levels of fame again, the band left an impression on Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup. Despite the band originating from Oklahoma City, the state of Texas embraced the band as their own, where Jarrett was able to play shows with them and build a friendship with vocalist Zach Malloy. This week, we learn more about this often overlooked band with one of their biggest fans. Miles that stand between can separate You're all I hoped you'd become Sister, I see you Dancing on the stage of memory One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So, the year is 1994 Somewhere in Texas 
a Gen Xer sits in a room full of blacklight posters. He pushes back his unwashed shoulder-length hair to reveal a golden eyebrow ring. A Janine Garofalo movie plays on the TV. The man takes a hit of a dirt weed joint. He stares pensively into the void, all to the tune of Sister by the Nixons. <laughs> Jarrett, this is what I imagine you to be in 1994. How how close am I? <laughs> um, I mean, it's pretty far off just because, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I was graduating from college and starting Bowling for Soup. So you nailed the hair. My hair was really long, actually, middle on my back. Nice. Um, I didn't have an eyebrow ring and I Damn. didn't, I didn't smoke pot yet. Okay. I still really don't, but I do sometimes, you know, I'm kind of like yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. Gotcha. A Janine Garofalo movie on the TV, at least. That's possible. You <laughs> okay. know, I still find her somewhat sexy. Like she was in something recently and uh -huh. there's like just something about her and the way that she carries herself that just makes her very desirable. Yeah, I felt like I liked her in the 90s a lot. I, I don't know. It's yeah, it's hard to explain. Anyway, that's that's kind of beside the point here. <laughs> We're here to talk about the Nixons. And Jared, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, Matt's the producer and he said, yeah, we'll do a Nixons episode. I didn't know this song. Now you, according to Wikipedia, you're kind of in this band <laughs> in a way. You're listed as a backup vocalist for this band on Wikipedia. I don't know if you know that. I didn't. So it's a it's a fairly elaborate story. I mean, I'm happy to tell you from the beginning. They're from Oklahoma City. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you were in Denton and that's mm -hmm. only that's less than three hours apart. So I'd imagine that this song sister was getting played on the radio and they were coming through your way a lot more. So maybe in your area, they were a much bigger band. Whereas in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, maybe they weren't hitting the radio waves as hard at the time. That could right. Be part of yeah. Life. So they were huge. Like they were essentially, so like the way that Dallas has worked for years and years is like, this group of bands, then it was the Nixons and Tripping Daisy and Deep Blue Something and the Toadies. Mm, nice. They all were coming up at the same time and they all went off and did their various record deal stuff. And then it was time to hand it off to us and Flickerstick and Edgewater and The Vanished and, uh, and bands like that that went on to do certain things. So at the time when this song came out, they were already, you know, they sold out every time they played here. You know, they were very known for their live show already. I mean, Zach, the singer, would set stuff on fire and, yeah. you know, like pour lighter fluid all over the place. And, you know, he was he was kind of one of the original climbers, you know, and would jump off stuff. And, you know, which is funny now because Zach and I are old men together and, and you know, do so many other things together but back then you know like he was the rock star of rock stars i had you know i didn't know him i just would watch and and just like i can't i mean this is crazy and so yeah sister was actually on the radio here much like the bitch song was on the radio here before we got signed and put it out and then it mm. got on the radio here again so just sort of yes i i, I was very very aware of them and and then as that song was blowing up it was kind of like Hey, you know, a member of our team is out there doing it. Right. Yeah. Nice, it was funny. You had picked somebody else. Queen Strike. Queen Strike? Are you calling them Queen Strike? He's definitely <laughs> calling them Queen Strike. Yeah. It's Queen's Reich. Come on. Whatever. Man. You know I Queen can't pronounce Strike. words. But you had posted a very <laughs> loving tribute to the band The Nixons on Facebook. Yeah. And they were one of those bands that I had heard of. And until I re-listened to Sister, I didn't know that I had even known this song, but I had heard about them constantly. Yeah. And I always remembered them being like 
bands that should have been bigger. Like they were always like on those types of 90s grunge bands that should have been bigger lists. So I quickly checked and I was like, oh, they're a one hit wonder. Jared, pick them. Like, why are we not talking about that? They're definitely that <laughs> band that it's the age old story, man. It, it's it's a bummer. I mean, they're all back together now, original members, and they're playing shows and they're releasing music and all of that. But And I don't think that any of them that would listen to this would would disagree with what I'm about to say. But it's the age old thing, man. I mean, they had a membership change after the, so they, they changed bass players after the first album. They released a second record, a uh, major label. I mean, um, I believe they were an MCA. They had a moderate hit or two off that. And then they go in to make this, what I feel like is their best record ever, but it's very much like could have crossed over into like the Weezer world and stuff like that. It's very pop, pop more poppy and stuff. And then during that time, the guitar player and the drummer left. And so Zach ends up being the only original guy with the bass mm. player that's been there for a few years. And, you know, it just, I think the luster of all of it, you know, I think they sort of found themselves in an area where, where we found ourselves at one point where you have this great record, you lose your record deal. And it's like, what are you going to do? So the album I'm talking about is the latest thing, uh, which we can get into when we get into the music. But yeah, man, I mean, grew up, I mean, so I would say grew up watching these guys because they would come through when I was in Wichita Falls. And then obviously when we moved to Denton, you know, we got to open up for them several times. So our relationship went from, hey, it's Bowling for Soup. Can y'all say hi to them, please? Because, you know, our manager knows their manager kind of thing. Right. And then <laughs> and then it became, hey, they're opening up for you guys because they can bring some people and then it became, you know, y'all are going to tour together. We actually had our record, our showcases for the latest thing and us getting signed to Jive the same night in Denton, Texas, playing at Rick's. We both got signed the same night. Wow, what a night. And that was us going to a major label and them coming down to more of an indie label and, and you know, really they were about to have to really work again, you know, mm -hmm. like we have the last 12 years and like they are again now. And so, yeah, that's sort of the stages of like us knowing them as a band. And then as a musician, you know, and as a writer, Zach, the singer, Zach Malloy, you know, who I was so terrified of back then when we would tour with them, like I was just hung on every word because he was such a rock star. And this is embarrassing. And I don't even know if I've ever, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever really even talked to him about this, but like, I mean, I did so many embarrassing things, but one of them, he was like, he had just had a kid and, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't have kids yet. Like, like I'm real into the, the family thing and all that. I, you know, that's sort of my shit. And anyway, he's showing me these pictures of his kid, Ben. And I was just like, oh, Ben, that's really good. Can I have that one? And <laughs> I asked him for a picture of his kid and he actually gave it to me. <laughs> I've never heard of someone asking someone for a picture of their kid. That's pretty awesome, man. That That's actually very, that's very sincere because most people who would be, you know, seeing pictures of someone's kid would you know, do the polite thing like, oh, sure. that's a cute yeah. kid. But to actually ask for the picture, I yeah. bet you he remembers that forever. I think, I'm sure he does. We have so many, I mean, we have, we literally text every day now. For those who don't know, Zach then went on to, after I started co-writing, after Girl the Bad Guys Want in my band, uh, he went, He and I have written probably 10 or 12 Bowling for Soup songs together. A lot of fan favorites. Ohio, Come Back to Texas, Two Seater. Nice. Smoothie King, big Bowling for Soup songs. I managed him for a while as an artist, and now he just produced and co-wrote my entire country record that's coming out later this year. So I am definitely very entangled 
in their world. <laughs> you are the perfect person to speak on Zach and the Nixons. There is not a, a more sure. qualified person to talk about this. But uh, I want to talk about this song for a second. Okay. First of all, Jarrett, do you have a sister or any sisters? Yeah, my story is crazy, actually. I grew up with four stepsisters, but I actually recently in the last five years found my three biological sisters who I never knew existed because I didn't know who my dad was until about five or six years ago. And so now I have this amazing relationship with you know, my biological sisters. Um, I don't really have a relationship with my stepsisters as they were kind of grown whenever I was born. So Ah. you just saw them every once in a while kind of thing. Right. But yeah, I mean, I definitely know the love of a sister, especially now, you know, but I remember back then when that, when I would hear that song, I remember being jealous. Like this is true. I I remember sort of almost trying to convince myself that he's not actually talking about a sister. He's just talking, you know, he's he's talking to like just about a girl and he's called, you know what I mean? Like we call a girl sis or something like that. Because I was kind of jealous that I didn't have that relationship with my stepsisters, you know, back then. And uh, the same relationship that I had with my brother, who I was very close to. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if anybody who has a sister out there, most most people that I know are very protective of them and or, or depend on them almost like a second mom. Uh, it's a close relationship, man. Wow. I'm an only child. I know nothing about sisters. I know Matt has a sister. Matt, you just have one sister, right? I have two, but There's I- two sisters. <laughs> yeah. The house that I'm living in, I bought off of my sister and there was like a four month period where we were like roommates while she was searching for a new house. And it was great. Like, <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Like, if you have to have a roommate, your sibling isn't a bad choice. Yeah. I feel like my my older two kids are living this song. Like- my daughter's 18 and my son is 15 and they they were always each other's security blanket go- growing up much like my relationship with my brother and that like she wanted him around when she didn't have anything else going and then whenever she had something else going it was like get out of here kind of thing and now they're best friends and i just i hear them tell each other they love each other and they're there for one another and they're it's a relationship that i've said this twice now but not unlike the relationship that i have with my own brother but i think that there's even something more special about you know, an older sister and a, and a little brother and that little brother wanting, like I said, wanting to be protective and, and also just sort of basking in the glow of those things that she goes out there and accomplishes and stuff. And I think that's a big part of, of what this song is about. Wow. You, Jared, you're in Texas. And yeah. so your daughter's 18 and your son's 15. Is that what it is? That's right. So basically your kids have the exact age difference and relationship as the brother and sister in Days and Confused. <laughs> yeah. And not to put too, I can't really put too much out there, but it's a very similar relationship. <laughs> wow. Nice. <laughs> I think that there's also an element, uh, and I don't know if this is the same for a younger brother to older sister, but like there is an element, I think, of being like the oldest in the family and having two younger sisters where just as like the dad probably feels responsible for this as a brother, I feel responsible to be like, I need to treat my sister the way that any man should treat her. Like I shouldn't raise my voice, be an asshole to her because like people learn things for better or for worse. You know what I mean? I remember I heard actually a really great interview with big show 
where he said like raising a daughter is really tough because you don't want to raise your voice at your daughter and then her get it in her mind that it's okay for any man to scream at her. One hundred percent, I totally agree with that. And I, I think you're kind of right. And obviously, like that's your relationship. I think it depends on the age difference sometimes. Yeah, like my drummer Gary and his sister are only like a year and a half apart, maybe two years. They're super close now and have been since you know they were later in their teen years but as kids you know she just picked on him and picked on him and picked on him and picked on him until one day in eighth grade he just popped her in the chin and he says that was the end of all of that so i guess it sort of just depends on you know like you say the dynamic and all of that but i think you sort of do end up settling into an area where especially in teenage years and stuff where you start to see you, you, my my son for example has seen boys disrespect my daughter and it's it's an interesting thing for me to hear him talk about it because he is emotionally invested in that and is bound to determine that that shit's not going to happen again kind of thing. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that relationship is uh, it's a special one for sure. Now, I'm sure you've talked to Zach about this song at some point. I'm sure yeah. you have. Sure. I mean, according to songmeanings.com, this song is about Zach's sister, Tava, who had yeah. relocated to California to pursue a film career. Yeah. And that was just around the time that the Nixons were starting to take off, getting signed, and they were seeing each other less. So he wrote this song about how he misses her and he's proud of her. What a nice yeah story what it's a amazing. nice song <laughs> it's and you know what's crazy is is that you know i didn't meet her until later on in our lives like it's it's only been i guess four years ago that i finally met her and she's now the head of the oklahoma film institute or whatever that oklahoma is like real into the like albuquerque and atlanta like trying to get hollywood movies to come there so they're right. you know offering tax incentives or whatever and it's really cool because her little brother is is into music he's a songwriter he's you know now if you google zach malloy it's crazy he has number ones with skillet and carrie underwood and it goes on and on and on she's so cool about the music stuff like it's it's like almost canada you know where it's like hey if you're in oklahoma and you submit a song you have a way better chance of nice. us using it than anybody else on the planet yeah which is super cool and i think that 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 all sort of bleeds from that relationship of like you know i've seen the struggles that my brother had coming out of ada oklahoma having to try to you know and then he moved to norman and went to ou and that's where they started the band they were a cover band just happened to kind of just start writing these rock songs and you know he just has a sound about him you know it's, this is a this is a funny story off topic but will give you sort of like what i feel like their reach was the first time i ever heard matchbox 20 on the radio was that song long day okay. been a long day oh yeah if you go listen to that song and then listen to this the nixons by the way who came first the nixons <laughs> there's an element of zach's vocal quality and and tone and sort of enunciations and stuff and what rob thomas does i'm not pointing the finger but i for sure know that matchbox 20 knew who the nixons were before that band formed because i know for a fact that that's true what is that what is that vocal quality or that tone because it's not see here's what a question i was going to ask you jared the nixons i mean i dug into their catalog in preparation for this episode and I could see calling them grunge, but they're kind of more on the tail end of that. Yeah. And I could see calling them almost like, I don't know, modern rock. I mean, that's no. kind of the same thing. He doesn't really have that thing in his voice, but it's right. also not like punk rock voice, really. Yeah. It's kind of like a yeah. clean adult 
mainstream rock voice. I don't know how to describe it. Mean, he has that quality about him where sometimes his vowel sounds are like get caught in his cheeks, but it's not like the pickle and mouth technique, you know, uh-huh, like it's not right. like the Creed thing. It's not the, mm-hmm. but I mean, every <laughs> once in a while he does do that thing where he holds his vowels in his mouth. And I don't think it's grunge at all to me. I think it's the time that it happened and sort of like, you know, you dress like the time, right? I mean, in 94, everybody wore boots and holes in their jeans and flannel shirts. And that's mm-hmm. what they were wearing when they were, I mean, they, you know, these guys were in guitar magazine and they were in, you know, all of these crazy publications. I mean, they were, they were big, big, big. And, you know, mostly Midwest, you know, they still kill, but you know, their live album was in Milwaukee and it's definitely something that you, that you, that you look back on. And, and I always want, cause I, I'm the same way about the toadies. Like if somebody says, you know, that band, the toadies, I'm like, of course I do. But I used to go watch them when I was a little kid. Like uh-huh. How the fuck do you know who the Toadies are? And then I forget that they're they're enormous, you know? Yeah, they, you know, it's so funny. Earlier when you were naming all those bands, like, you know, from, I guess they were all from your general area or were coming through yeah. Dallas or Denton or, or wherever enough. It was like a who's who of one hit wonders. <laughs> you right? were naming there. And they all had their hit. You know, we use that term on here, Jarrett. We, that is not a derogatory term on here because I would love to have one hit, (laughs) you know, like you can, you can have a, a a career forever based (laughs) on, you know, the residuals of having that hit. And I don't mean just money wise. I mean, just having a name for yourself. When you guys asked me to be on this, I paused, I went and I, I I was like, hold on, let me think about it for a second. Cause I texted Zach and I go, they want me to come on this thing called one hit thunder and talk about your band, but I don't want you to be confused and think that I'm disrespecting you in any way or that they are like calling you that because obviously I don't think you're a one hit wonder to me. I like every song you've ever written. He was like, Oh no, no, no. I'm flattered. That's really cool. Thank you. Well, you know? It's funny. It's funny, Jarrett. Just a few episodes ago, we had Scott, who was the bassist from Dishwalla, who found out about our show. Cause he listened to us talk about Dishwalla. So, <laughs> so, so then he came on and he did an episode about Tal Bachman and he did the same thing. He reached out to Tal Bachman like, yeah. Hey, no, no disrespect, but you know, and, yeah. and Tal Bachman was like, no, no, it's fine. You know, right. I, I mean, I think it's, cool when people realize that that's not a bad thing. You know, I think the, the, the bands and artists I talk shit on here the most, Jared, are the ones that have a one-hit wonder, and then they're just like, a year later, they're like, oh, fuck it. Like, nobody cares about any other music. I respect the people that, like, right. take that one hit and build a long career. I respect the weedest. Yeah. The ultimate is Chumbawamba, right? That's the ultimate. They started right. that shit to make money for the Hare Krishna thing or whatever that they were doing. They put out the thing. It makes a freaking (laughs) billion dollars. And they're just like, that's it. They didn't, they never toured (laughs) nothing. Yeah. I agree. I don't think it's a derogatory thing at all. I mean, here's the thing. Cause I think that there's, there's loved bands. It's like fountains of Wayne is a great example. You know, may Adam rest in peace, but it's a great example. Stacy's mom is a huge song for them. Obviously we get credit for it. Still don't know the reason why it's fucking (laughs) weird, but you know, they're a musician's band. I mean, people love them. I mean, love, love, love fountains of Wayne. the Boston's they're a one hit wonder technically. Mm -hmm. But yeah. do I think of them as a one-hit wonder? No, I think right. of them as a band I've listened to my whole life. And yeah. they're like a legendary, you know, for their style of music, they're one of the best ever, you know? But there's right. so many examples of that. Just bands that we, in our world of in our, punk yep, and alternative, yep. that we don't think of that way at all. But, 
Yeah, technically they are. Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, it's a perfect example. Our great friends. I mean, real big fish, less than Jake. I mean, they're successful right. bands that continue to tour and this, 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 and they have only had one hit. And that's what I was going to say. I, I think I find it derogatory, and this is just me being honest. I find it derogatory when someone tries to point that at Bowling Pursuit because it's just not true. I mean, we've had... Yeah, you had a couple hits, several. Dude, several. It's like, yeah. you know, 1985, Almost, Girl the Bad Guys Want, Ohio, Emily, the, I mean, When We Die, it's, it goes on and on and on. High School Never Ends. I mean, it's like, these yeah. have all charted. It's like, so it doesn't happen that often, but this is funny. We got There was an article that came out, and I just slayed this girl, by the way. Like, I, I <laughs> fucking couldn't stand it because she was writing an article on one-hit wonders uh, in the pop-punk world. And she goes, I know Bowling for Soup isn't a one-hit wonder, but let's face it, this is the song that most of us know from them. Mm -hmm. And and then literally called – and then so basically in her own article said, we're not a one-hit wonder, but here's – I'm still calling them a one-hit wonder. Right. And I was like, <laughs> ah! You know? <laughs> well, I mean, controversially, we did do an episode on Rick Springfield, who is absolutely 100% not a one hit wonder, but, no. but, but like 40 years later, the, the one thing that we pulled up was that VH1 had to do a, like literally listed him as like the number six greatest one hit wonder uh, and got so much angry fan mail that they had yeah. to redact it. That's what's funny is when I think of him, I, I mean, I, I, cause Jesse's girl to me sits over there in its in its own little chair, right? Yeah. And it just rocks back and forth and waits for karaoke night, right? Like it's yeah. just it. But like, but like, but I've done everything for you. Yeah. Like that's my favorite Rick Springfield song. Yeah. I was in the Rick Springfield fan club in the sixth grade, guys. Nice. Hey, hey, Punchline used to cover "Love Is All Right" tonight. Yes, such a jam. See what a great yeah. song. And that you know what that that is a great great song. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, Rick Springfield. Yeah. That is the thing that we've had to go through those waters, Jared, because sometimes some of these one hit wonders. Now, in your case, it's different. Yours were years apart. But some of these one hit wonders, they'll have their hit. And then the follow up, it charts, but yeah. nobody remembers it. Right. So does that count as like a second hit? Not really. The prime example was that Cisco's follow up to the thong song actually charted higher than the thong song. But I'm willing to bet you could not name me yeah. what that song yeah. is. That's a great <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. And you know what's funny, too, is sometimes they chart in different areas, too, because it's like 1985 was top 40. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm, we don't need to get into radio shit because, quite frankly, I don't even understand it anymore. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> but almost was a bigger hit because it was on hot AC radio, right. and so technically, almost charted higher. And it's just all crazy, right? Right. Buying Up All Your Gray, the new EP from Pack, is now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you get your tunes. Featuring members of the Juliana Theory, Zayo, and Punchline, Pack brings decades of indie, hardcore, and alternative influence to their debut release. Limited edition screen printed vinyl available now at mindovermatterrecords.com.
Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, plus... Considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Get it back around to yes. the Nixons. A couple things I will say. The fact that it's funny. Every time I listen to this song, though, Jarrett, I put it on. I'm like, I don't know this song. But I, I swear every time I listen to it, I'm like, this is sounding more and more familiar. And I don't know if it's just because I listened to it a bunch of times in yeah. preparation or if I did hear it on the radio and it was just locked somewhere back in my brain. But and I'm not talking shit. There is a little bit of an element of the melody that reminds me of Pearl Jam Black in the verse melody. There's a little bit of that. She's an empty canvas. Uh, yeah, There's yeah, like yeah. a little bit of that. I'm not saying it's like a ripoff, but there is something about that melody that reminds me. I'm sure that I'm not the first person to say that. Do you hear that now that I, I say I hear that? what you're saying right now. I'm wondering which was written first. Pearl Jam, that, that song's from 1991. Black. That was on 10. I wonder when the Nixon's album with this on it the first time came out. Oh, I don't know. I don't know yeah, about that. Because th- they put out an album in 80, uh, in 90 and then an EP in 92. So it's not unreasonable to just imagine that two different bands came up with a very similar melody line simultaneously. <laughs> or Pearl Jam were in the Matchbox 20 Club and they just liked the Nixon's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do, I do remember this very memorable cd cover from like the bmg and the whatever the columbia house ads it has the the little girl with the the blindfold and like the flames behind her i remember that album cover that being in the yeah yeah, i remember that being in those things so it's not that i completely but dude another thing about this is so this album is from 1994 dude what a year of competition i'm talking on every level from uh, music to movies. I mean, dude, 1994, I bring this up so much, but the movies that came out in 1994, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Days and Confused, Shawshank Redemption. It's just like the most powerhouse year of movies. And then music, I mean, 94 is 
I think it was recorded, maybe released in 93, but really got big in 94. It was Green Day Dookie, um, Nine Inch Nails Downward Spiral, Soundgarden Super Unknown. Weezer self-titled. Offspring, Rancid. Dude. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. That year was crazy. And another one, the Toadies, Rubberneck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Beck Beck Loser was huge this year. I know. But (laughs) Punchline did an EP of songs from 94, and we couldn't even – it was hard to even narrow it down to four. You know, like there's a lot of competition. I mean, Jim Blossoms at this time, like, you know, some of those massive hits were coming out. And just there's a lot of explanation for why I may have not been that familiar with this song. But, uh, you know, and I dug in, and just like you were saying, Jared, this is pre – what's their names – who, who's the one that ruined pyro pyro for everybody great white great white yeah this yeah. is pre great white yeah i was seeing him light i was like does he really light these fires on the stage because yeah. there was a music video of them doing that and i was like whoa he would uh, just have a can of lighter fluid i mean it's so it would so never happen so now. dangerous <laughs> back so then bad. it was like he'd set his guitar on fire and swing it around and i mean you know it was cool it was you know you just were like Jesus Christ, this is crazy. Jared, maybe you can explain this to us, because obviously Chris and I are just two two dudes from PA, but uh, every time I feel like we cover a band from Texas, be it the Toadies, the Nixons, or the Butthole Surfers, they are known for crazy stage shows. What is going on in the state of Texas? (laughs) Everything's bigger in Texas, including the show. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Toadies, really. They just kind of stand there. Dude, I think we just all just used to try to one-up each other. You know, like, I mean, and that's sort of like where you, you know, you you just, what what could possibly happen? Again, you know, in the 90s, I stuck a beer bottle up Chris's ass during a show one time. Like, you can't I, do that I, anymore. I, you know, I mean, those, yeah, are the probably things, not. Yeah, those are the things you did, you know. And look, I'm proud of my city, much like most people are. You know, I hold the music here very, very dear. I think that we've produced some amazing stuff. And it's one of those things where, I, as I look back on it, it's, it's, it's fun to be able to do that, to rattle off like, oh, and this and this and this. And, you know, two years before that was Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. Nice. And, you know, there's this, you know. Yeah, yeah. just kind of keeps going. And when you're talking about this, Jared, are you saying Dallas? Is that what you consider like how I consider Pittsburgh, but even though I live 45 minutes from there, or are yeah. you saying, are you saying Denton? You're saying Dallas, right? I'm saying Dallas because Dallas is huge. I mean, it's, it's geographically, it's, I think it's a six hour drive across the thing. Like it, it's just, it's massive. So right. we even sort of, a, a you know, Fort Worth, Dallas, Denton, you know, right. like it's called DFW and right. Denton definitely had its scene. Dallas had its scene, but it was all sort of intermingled. And again, the Nixons were kind of just adopted here because they were from Oklahoma, but they came down here and they made this a home and, and hired management here and, and lived here. And much like us, I mean, we're from Wichita Falls, but after we started the band, we moved down to Denton and Denton just embraced us. And, you know, now when you go to the some city websites, it'll be like things from Denton and it's bowling for soup and it's and you know, feels right. good when a city does that. And so yeah. I think we're all really good. Like there's pages on Facebook where all the Dallas musicians are all in there and everybody's it's such a cool community. You know, I mean nice. I think there were times when maybe again, everything went in stages, right? So you you we looked up to Tripping Daisy, the Nixon, Steve Blue, something, all, all of those bands. Never would have said an ill word. Then as we're coming up with the next round, you know, sometimes there was a little competition, but all of that goes out the window as soon as you all have kids and a mortgage, you know, like it's, sure. it, it, it is what it is. 
yeah, it's cool. Like I, I've experienced that, you know, Pittsburgh's not some huge music city. You know, it's like when you're playing in a tour, Jared, what do you consider Pittsburgh? A B market? A C market? <laughs> like, I, you know how we have these like terms or whatever. But I mean, you guys do really well in Pittsburgh. It's very much a sports town, as you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, music, it's been... You know, we've done well here, but, you know, Anti-Flag and Juliana Theory as far as our style of music. And then it's like Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller and then Rusted Root, Rusted Root and Donnie <laughs> Iris are like, that's kind of it. We're playing there in September and there's a Steelers game that day. So I'm going to the Steelers game nice. the day of the show. So I make no promises on my performance for that. Night, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to be wound up. The, the other thing I was going to say about the Nixons, I checked out some of their newer music. I like this song they had called Crutch. Yeah. Pre- pretty rocking. I thought it was cool that they, you know, you could tend to, you know, in the later part of your career, rock less, mm-hmm. try to appeal to like an older crowd or something. And it sounds kind of like they're rocking more than anything else that I heard. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, they, they just have a really good vibe. Again, you know, they, when they broke up, it was bad. You know, Zach, tried to keep the band going with the second Ricky, who the second Ricky bass player was. was, So the original band is Ricky Brooks and then Jesse John, who is the drummer for Seether still. He, Mm. he, he went on to be, and he's like in the band and has been the whole time and Zach. And then when John and Jesse left, you know, before the latest thing even came out, you know, Zach trying to just make it work, but so it wasn't a good breakup. I mean, it was a, it was a breakup of, of friends and college roommates and and all this and so some of them didn't speak for many 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 years and there were some wounds that had to be patched up in order to 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 make it even happen again and if if i'm not mistaken they came back together for some event in oklahoma city and and uh just realized you know i think a bunch of hatchets got buried and and as they started get they started enjoying it again and you know zach i think had been writing so much country for so long and had just started writing a lot of rock stuff for Godsmack and like I said, Skillet and it's mm-hmm. I'm bad at these lists, but it's crazy his 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 arsenal. It was the the ones that I saw were Carrie Underwood, Skillet, Our Lady Peace, and Bowling for Soup were like the names yeah. that popped up on on his wiki. Those are probably you know, and yeah, that it's nice to be in that group. But you know, I think he was ready to write some songs for him and to get out there and, and perform again. So when you see them, it's cool because, you know, he's not lighting stuff on fire, jumping off stuff anymore, but you know, there's definitely the feeling of like, Jesus Christ, you know, these guys fucking rock, you know, and I agree with you on crutch, man. I, I think, you know, when, when somebody puts a comeback song out there, it could, you know, a lot of times your fans really don't give a shit, but man, it's definitely one to, one to listen to. Nice. Jared, at the end of these episodes, we usually, we go around and we say, was this, did this artist bring the one hit thunder or was it a one hit blunder? And we know you're giving it to thunder. This is your boy. <laughs> this is, yeah. there's, there's not one thing you've said that would <laughs> it'd be really funny if all of a sudden you're like, ah, you know what? This is a blunder, <laughs> but I'm going to assume you're, you're going thunder. I, I mean, we, we've talked a lot. You've, you've convinced me the only reason and blunder is a hard word, but as far as the charts go, as far as calling this a hit, it peaked at number 48 on right. whatever the Billboard Top 200 and number six on the mainstream rock chart. Right. The, the, my only problem with it is kind of the the. Hit. I mean, you know, not to cut you off, but, you know, it was on MTV. You know, I mean, that's put that in at least 
into consideration. Right. And I'm not, you know, you, you, this is your show. You grade it however you want, but dude, it's on MTV. I mean, at number six at the time, you just read off its competition. Right. Number six on rock radio at the time. Are you kidding me? Like, good point. You see, Allison change was still putting out music for Christ's sake. Good point. Good point. You sold me. I, I give him, I was going to give him the thunder either way. That was, that was my only hold back was I, I guess questioning was this a hit maybe, maybe they're just a band with a strong following and a dude that's a, a great songwriter but maybe not a one-hit wonder because this doesn't count as a hit that was my only thought but you've convinced me if they were on if, okay. if they if they were on MTV in 1994 with all that competition like you said mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't say anything about that I, I'll give them the thunder pass and on top of that part of it is more of their catalog and the fact that the song I liked most from them was a recent song. Uh, I think I, that, yeah, I'll, I'll give him the thunder pass there, Matt. Uh, I mean, I'm going to give him thunder as well, but I, I want to address Jared brings up a really great point because the, the MTV factor is such an interesting one because, you know, now, now the way they do billboard stuff, they do take into point, like how many people are watching it on YouTube, how many people are streaming it on this service and this service to like calculate that stuff. And for the 90s, I definitely don't think they were factoring in how often was the video played on MTV in their rankings. And that is an interesting factor that I think in the future we have to (laughs) we also have to keep in mind was like, how big was the video, though? Mm. Because when you're talking about videos like Blur is the example I'm going to bring up. Yeah, song two is the song everyone knows. But I think the video by Blur that everyone remembers is Coffee and TV with the little milk carton walking around trying to find the boy on the front of him. Like, okay. like the more interesting and memorable the video, the more it was going to get played regardless on if the song was a was Yeah, a but that hit. was going to so, result in album sales at that time, Matt. You know, like, oh, that, that was, true, that was true. Those, those two things are probably pretty pretty correlated, not to yeah. disagree, really. It's but worth the, but I, I also just want to give a quick shout out. One of, one of the more interesting things with this band is based on the success of this song, even if it was a quote-unquote minor hit, Allowed them to go on tour with the Toadies, Kiss, Seven Dust, Slash's Snake Pit, Soul Asylum, and fucking Radiohead. So, like, talk about taking your one hit to play with, like, some of the greatest musicians of the 80s and 90s. And that was a real, like, wide spectrum of different types of bands. I mean, it's worth Kiss, but also Radiohead. Like, (laughs) Like, that's... That that's pretty impressive. I, I got to give him credit for that too. Yeah, and and on and honestly, again, to me, their strongest album was called "The Latest Thing," and it actually came out on Koch Records. And it's actually it's not easy to find, but if you can find it, to all listeners, please do this now. Go try and find the video for the song called "Blackout" by the Nixons, and Chris Burney makes an appearance, and nice. uh, in his in his tutu that many of you may have saw on tour <laughs> back in the day. Nice. <laughs> hey, hey, Jared, but before, before we close up here, do you have anything going on that you, you want to let the listeners know about in, in the world of Jarrett or Bowling for Soup or anything? You do a lot. Of, you got your hands in a lot of things, man. A lot of things going on. Uh, well, you can find everything, all of my bands and all of my podcasts at jarrettreddick.com. Uh, but yes, Bowling for Soup. Coming up, we we're gonna be we got four short four shows up there um, in uh, in Atlantic City and Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, and some other town. New album coming out in the fall uh, in the spring. I'm gonna be releasing a new country record coming up in the fall. 
Uh, we'll be on Rock Bowling for Soup on Rock Boat this year. You can see me on stage it pretty much once a week right now. And uh, all my podcasts, Rockstar Dad Show, Jared Goes to the Movies, Bowling for Soup, Fan Page Rampage. And it just keeps going. So just go to yeah. JaredReddick.com and click on all the links. JaredReddick.com. He's doing literally everything. <laughs> Which I is the way to be. I actually it's the way just to be. stopped doing a few things. I, it, it's funny. I, I got If COVID made me realize anything, it's just that I was burning it at both ends mm. too much because I was still not seeing my my kid, you know, for, for a few weeks. And I was just mm. like, that's ridiculous. I'm not even leaving now. It's like, this is nuts. So I stopped managing bands and I stopped producing outside of my own stuff and stopped writing for other bands unless I know them. And, you know, a few things like that where I, I just, I had to downsize this mix. So the list that I just gave you is, is the short list now. And it's still, it's still pretty long too, but uh, <laughs> a lot going th- on. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Jarrett. This is fun. Oh, thank you for having me guys, man. Chris, it's always a pleasure, Matt. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, it's been nice to get to know you and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to yeah, have me back anytime, man. I could, I could talk for hours about anything. Nice. <laughs> me too. <laughs> This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Othalios of Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing No Significant Other off the Punchline album Delightfully Pleased. Visit punchlion.com for merch, new music, and upcoming shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.